why are we here this morning? It's my, for worship. Thank you, John. I love that song where it says, uh, it's your breath in our lungs. And so we pour out our praise, pour out our praise. That's worship. So what we come here to do is we come to breathe back to God our praises. Um, but it all, that line also acknowledges that God has been putting breath into our lungs. And so throughout the week, we're filling up our lungs with something. And we come here to, to breathe it back out, to praise God for what's been going on. Um, there's kind of this dialectic. But why are, we, why are we here? We could be any place. Why are we at this place at this time? I believe God is doing something unique among these people, among all of us. That God has gathered this group of people for particular purposes. And there's something unique about our community here. Not exceptional, not like better than any other church community, but there is something unique that God is doing through Victory Point. And so during this series, we're talking about the particularities. What, what does it mean to be part of this body, this group of people? It's called commission, the fact that we are drawn together, called together as a family, and sent out into the world. And uh, we have certain ways to describe the activity that God is doing in this body. And so we kind of start off talking about our vision, which is to bring the kingdom of God to our family, our community, and the world. And the way that we do that, our mission is to make and multiply disciples who give their whole life to being like Jesus and doing what he did. And then we have some guiding values that we've discerned. And we've been spending the last few weeks going over these. um, Loving God by loving people. Authentic and accountable. Communities on mission. Last week we talked about contributors, not consumers. And this week we're talking about scattering and gathering. Scattering and gathering. This actually comes from our story as a church, that we were a community of people who were scattered from other churches back in 1993, and people without a church home started coming together. And I actually want to pick up on a thread that Matt uh, mentioned last week. He started talking about church shopping a little bit. And so I just want to touch back on that because I think it's really important to talk about this. There are some of us uh, who are, maybe even you today, are feeling like you're church shopping and kind of looking for a church home. And I think the, the non-consumer way to language that is that as members of the body of Christ, we find our membership in particular churches. And without a membership to a particular church, we are like, like an amputated limb or a piece of the body that is not part of the body. And we're searching for membership back into the body, a place where God can use us and where we can work out our purpose within the context of a body. And without that, we end up like losing a part of our identity as Christians, that Christians were made to be living in communion with one another. And so that's what these people did, is they left these other churches and they began to form a new church, which is a God-ordained, a beautiful working of the Spirit, back in 1993. And we started gathering and gathering and gathering because, um, because we, we started attracting more people and building relationships, and people were kind of coming into our body, which is good. But at some point, that reaches a homeostasis where we're just continuing to grow, and we're like, what is this all about? Um, I'm thinking of uh, my, my, uh, my mom when she, was a little, when she was a little girl. She lived on the street, and their neighbor was a really uh, bad prankster. And so one day, I, my, my mom, so my grandma, my mom's mom, would do all these pranks to our neighbor, and then they, she would get us back. And um, 
I remember uh, my, my mom was telling how her neighbor tied a goat to their front tree, and the goat was on a leash and, and began to eat all the grass around the tree until it was just a dead circle of grass around this tree in the front yard. And, um, and that's an image of what happens when we just gather, gather, gather as a church. We overgraze, so to speak. There ends up being uh, not so much life but death because we become so inwardly focused on ourselves. And uh, you, you know, maybe a decade ago, we started to realize this. We're kind of overgrazing here. We're, we're just gathering too much. What would it look like for us to push out on mission? So we decided to just push out, out, out. And um, that actually isn't healthy either. Uh, I was talking with a missionary this week who said that he spent some time with the Maasai people in Africa who are a hurting people. And they, these Maasai people were Christians, and they would gather for worship. And then during different set times of the year, they would go out and they would bring their, uh, their herd out to graze and to find water because it was a region where you had to go looking for water. And so there were particular spots and times of the year where they knew they could go get water. Uh, but because of uh, weather changes, uh, there were no longer predictable uh, water. There was no longer predictable water in the same time of the year. So they had to be scattering all the time. They were always out trying to look for water, and they were never gathering together. And that's not good either. So all scattering and no gathering isn't good either. And that's what we are starting to experience as a church was that we are just pushing hard, hard, hard out into, out into the mission field and neglecting our gathering rhythms. And what happened in this Maasai story is that someone built a dam at one of the rivers so that it would create a reservoir and they could have predictable water source so that they could have that rhythm again of scattering out to get water and then coming back together to worship. I think that's a great picture for us of what it looks like to be gathered and scattered um, as a church, as a people. We have a value for scattering and gathering at this church, and here's how we word it. Through the rhythm of scattering and gathering in the world every day as missionaries and regularly gathering to celebrate what God is doing in and through us, we will seek to live out the balance of a biblical church and whole life discipleship. Scattering and gathering. Um, I want to show you just, I want to take the next, however long this message is going to be, hour and a half, just kidding. I want to preach for an hour and a half because I'm excited about this. But um, uh, thank you for the affirmation. <laughs> yeah, girl. Um, but I want to take us through some, some scriptures and, and show you how this gathering and scattering rhythm is a kind of like a thread that goes through all of scripture, starting with creation. In Genesis 1, it says this, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I've been reading a book by Neil deGrasse Tyson called Astrophysics for People in a Hurry. Has anyone else read this book? Has anyone else read anything about astrophysics? It is blowing my mind, okay? But um, Neil deGrasse Tyson is a a sworn atheist, which is part of the reason why I wanted to use him in this sermon, uh, just to be funny. But he says that uh, scientists right now are looking back to try to find out about the origins of the universe. And they're looking at stars that are and galaxies that are uh, spreading apart in order to find out more about how the universe was was started. And uh, they came up with this this image. This is not Neil deGrasse Tyson's image, but it'll help me explain some of what's happening. Okay, so if you look at this, we're at the far end here, and the the beginning of the universe is on the left-hand side. And what they, what they see when they look out at, at galaxy, galaxies and solar systems spreading apart is that year after year, 
they're spreading apart faster. That our universe is, is expanding at an accelerated rate. It's not just expanding. It's expanding faster and faster every year. And this perplexes scientists because they're thinking, well, if there's a big explosion at the beginning of the universe, thermodynamics would say things would just gradually slow down, like a firework. You know, it explodes and then just slows down. And you would think that this universe would be just in this slow decay. But it's not. It's speeding up year after year, and they can't explain why. And the, the name they give this is dark energy, this, this propelling force that's constantly propelling the universe out faster and faster and faster. And then they start scratching their heads and thinking, well, why isn't the universe, if the universe is accelerating since the beginning of time, why is the universe not just flying off its hinges? Why is it not much faster than it is? They look at the, the universe and they realize that it's going much slower than it ought to be if it's going faster and faster every year. You guys following me? So there's this propelling force that's propelling it out, but there's also this gathering force, this gravitational force that's, that's holding the universe together and 85% of it, they have no idea where this gravity is coming from. They call it dark matter. That the fact that the universe is being held together by some mysterious force, but it's also being propelled outward by some other mysterious force, and they can't figure it out. I think this is fascinating. And so you get a universe that is just expanding. It's not exploding. It's expanding. It's growing. It's multiplying and scientists have no idea how this happens. And I see this DNA, this, this uh, characteristic of the way God likes to grow things is through gathering and scattering, get, scattering the universe out, but holding it together at the same time and the way it grows and multiplies. And you see this through uh, creation. You see um, God forms the heavens and the earth and he creates water over the surface of the earth. And I think of the water system, the way God scatters, scatters water over the land to make it fertile, and then gathers it back into the oceans and scatters it and gathers it and scatters it and gathers it. And God built this into the human body too, that our hearts, when they contract and when they expand, they they draw blood into the heart and then they contract and they push blood back out and through the body and it pumps life through our body. It carries oxygen to every part of our body. That this expanding and this contracting, this this uh, scattering and this gathering produces life in our bodies. And that these bodies are told to go be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. To multiply and fill the earth. That's God's design for us. But like most things that are good, um, they've been destroyed by sin. And we get to the Tower of Babel that, um, that really illustrates this uh, this well, the fact that humans, since the fall, have resisted this design of God to scatter and gather. Here's what Genesis 11, 1 through 9 says. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, come, let us bake bricks. So let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make our name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, if as one people they speaking the same language, 
they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. So what's happening in this story? You have people developing technology called bricks, this new fandangled thing called bricks instead of stones, and it enables them to have uh, new uh, capabilities with construction. And what do they do? They begin to build a wall, a walled city. That's how cities were. Begin to build a wall to protect themselves. And then in the middle of that city, they built a tower, which is not like a straight up and down tower that we think of. It's more like a, it would look like a pyramid almost, like a man-made mountain. Mountains were places where people would worship. And so you get this, this mountain image, this man-made mountain, and also them saying, we want to make a name for ourselves. This is a worship center where they were lifting high their own names. And, and this is because they say, let's see where the quote is. Uh, so that we may make our name for ourselves, otherwise we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. This whole thing is because they don't want to be scattered. And that makes sense, because scattering is threatening. Scattering is threatening because if we go out by ourselves, then we've got no one who has our back. And so we are more in danger. It's threatening. But scattering is also uncomfortable. It's more comfortable. I th- you know, like when, I was, uh, when I was single, the apartment I lived in had like an inch gap under the doors. There were like mice. There were termites. Okay? So it was not a very nice apartment. But once I got married, we could build a home together. And now we're a little more comfortable. More comfortable than I was in that place. So... I, you know, there's something comforting about gathering, and there's something uncomfortable about scattering, that we don't have as much ability to, to create comfort for ourselves. Um, scattering is also humiliating. I mean, they, they created this, this big tower to lift up their name, the winning team, that we have strength in numbers. But when we scatter, we don't have the same team pride. We don't have the same uh, group identity. It's more humiliating. It's also confusing to scatter. That when we're scattered out, we don't have the same sense of the marching orders. Maybe we encounter a situation where that seems unfamiliar to us, or we don't know what to do. And if we were together as a group, we could figure it out together. But when I'm scattered out alone, um, there's, there's more confusion. It's less clear. And so, God sees them building this tower, this worship center for themselves, They're gathering, and they're refusing to scatter. And he says, this is not good. This is not how I designed humanity. This is not how I designed my creation. I created it to multiply. And they're not multiplying. They're just staying in their comfort zones. They're just staying in their worship center. They're just staying within these four walls. I need them to get out of here. So like a defibrillator, remember the heart image? Like a defibrillator on an arrested heart, God scatters them across the face of the earth making them do something that's really uncomfortable, making them do something that's humiliating and confusing and scary. He sends them out. And is this a curse or is it a blessing? It's kind of one of the questions I have left with this story. Is this a, is this a curse or a blessing? On one hand, it's a curse because they did not ask for this and it goes against their will and God is forcing them to do something that they don't want to do. 
On their hand, it's a blessing. It's restarting the creative action of God to gather and scatter and gather and scatter to create a multiplying movement of people across the whole world. And so you continue through Scripture, and God decides to set up the temple. The temple, which uh, I want to pull out two different images of the temple from the Old Testament that help us see this gathering and scattering rhythm. If I can find it. Um, This comes from Ezekiel. Um, I want to read this, th- these few verses. I skip around a little bit. This is Ezekiel 47. The man brought me back to the entrance of the temple, and I saw water coming from under the threshold of the temple towards the east, for the temple faced the east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. And he said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah, where it enters the Dead Sea. When it empties into the sea, the salty water becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. You see how the temple, the vision of the temple is that God's blessing flows out out from the temple, down and into to water the trees that bear fruit and the leaves of the healing of the nations. And you see that the water goes and, and people are fishing where there used to be salt water, where it used to be a swamp. Now there's fish and there's life. And so there's this scattering element to the temple where God pours out his blessing out into the nations. But then we see in, Ezekiel, uh, sorry, in Isaiah 2, it says this, This is what Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains, not Babel, not the man-made tower, but God's tower. It will be exalted above the hills, and all nations will stream to it, stream up to the mountain. Many peoples will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And so just like in Ezekiel, God sends out his blessing out into the nations. In Isaiah, you see his image of the nations gathering back up to the mountain of the Lord to worship. And to, you know, we said, you know, I want to, um, well, breathe in your praise and uh, breathe in your grace and breathe out your praise is one of the songs we're going to be singing this morning. That they come to breathe out their praise back to God. And as they do that, they hear God's law, his, his voice, his teaching, and they are shaped. They are shaped in a new people who walk in the light of the Lord. They walk back down the mountain in a new way. So we get this image of the, the temple that's, that's gathering people and sending people and gathering people and sending them people. And he's transforming. Because Jerusalem was meant to be a place of blessing. Jerusalem was not meant to be, uh, you know, this, this, vac- this just solitary place where, where people are just like a Babel, just worshiping all the time. It's, it's a place of sending, that, that the promised land was meant to be a, a launching pad for the nations. But God's people forgot, even, even with the image of the temple that God set up, God's people forgot who they were. They forgot that they were elected to bring blessing to the whole world. And so God scattered them into exile So God had to do it again. I'm going to get you out of your comfort zones again. You're going to have to go into exile now. And some returned. 
And they were looking for their restoration and identity and calling as a people. And so God sends Jesus, scattered from the Trinity, sent out, out of his comfort zone, to go be with us, to be Emmanuel, God with us. And he came to gather the scattered ones. And so you have the beginning of Mark. You have Jesus uh, saying his first words to his disciple. He says, come, follow me. Words of gathering. Come, follow me. But what does he say? He doesn't just say, come, follow me. He says, come, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. Come, follow me. I'm going to send you out to gather more people, to fish for people. You see, at the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus sends out his disciples um, to distribute the food. Go distribute the food. And then they don't just distribute food. They also collect food. There's, there's the scattering and the gathering. You see, Jesus talking to the rich young ruler who's kind of at a standstill in his faith. He's, he's stagnant. And he says, what, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, I think you've accumulated enough. Go sell your possessions and give it to the poor. Go sell your possessions. But he doesn't just say, go sell your possessions. He says, then come, follow me. I'm going to scatter you. I'm going to restart you. I'm going to, like a defibrillator, restarting an arrested heart. I'm going to send you out, scatter you, and then I'm going to gather you back. Matthew 28. Oh, I'm, uh, I skipped one. Luke 10. Jesus sends out workers into his harvest field. Uh, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. The harvest field is a place of gathering, that they would gather the harvest back, and then he'd send them out and gather them again. Matthew 28, Jesus says, Go disciple all nations. Go, go make disciples. Baptizing them. Welcome them into the family of God. Scatter and gather. Scatter and gather. Jesus is teaching his disciples to scatter and gather. He's trying to restart that creative heartbeat of God so that there be kingdom multiplication. In Acts 2, at the temple, the Holy Spirit comes down. You see people gathered at the temple. They're all in Jerusalem for the, the, uh, the festival of Pentecost. You have, uh, remember I was talking about the exile of all the Jews. Um, and in and, and the festivals, all the Jewish people would, would return back to Jerusalem. They would come back and they would gather. And so they're all there at the temple gathered together. And it's like a mirror of Babel where God says, I'm going to not confuse speech, but I'm going to multiply speech. And watch what happens. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly the sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. God pours out his spirit, communicates the gospel in every person's language. Why? Because they had been gathered from all the nations of the world. They all spoke different languages. And as they go back home from the festival, now they know the gospel by heart. It's in their hearts. It's in their own native tongue. They go back to bring the good news of the gospel back to where they were. But they're not just scattered At the end of that same chapter, it says, All the believers were together 
and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. So they were scattered over, over all the earth with the gospel message. But then they continued to gather in their homes and in temples to share. To share the gospel and to share life together. That's the image that we get in Acts. Is God still scattering and gathering today? What does it look like today? So this, this thread starts from the beginning of creation and comes up all the way through Scripture, and we see it happening today. Actually, um, there are 68.5 million displaced people in the world right now because of the Syrian crisis. So people are scattering. More people right now are scattered than ever since World War II. People are scattered, very scattered right now in the world. Um, we have a missionary there named Billy Ray, who we, he was here a few weeks ago. Refugees have been scattered into uh, Billy Ray's valley in northern Iraq. The va- there's a valley in northern Iraq. A lot of refugees are going there, and Billy Ray is there. And he's gathering these scattered people to heal them, to educate them, to share with them the gospel. And Billy was uh, emailing back and forth with me a couple weeks ago, and he said, he kind of wondered, what if this is one of God's shreds of grace in the midst of this global crisis? What if there's a shred of grace in here that these ancient peoples, these Muslim peoples who are out in these remote villages are being scattered to his valley and to other places where they're able to hear the gospel and to be gathered with others under God's name? What if that's one of the redeeming parts of this story? But this only works... If the church is scattered too, if Billy Ray goes over there, it doesn't work otherwise. Will we be willing to scatter? Or will we, like the Babylonians, hide behind our walls and our church buildings, refusing to scatter out into the world? Um, this is actually really sad, a sad reality for the United States of America, that, that the Christian church in America is... is uh, the, the Christendom that we've lived with for the last hundred years or so is starting to collapse under its own gravity. Remember that image like uh, in the universe where the gravitational pull, if it wasn't for that expansive force, that scattering force in the universe, those, the universe would just collapse instantly under its own gravity. In the same way, um, I see some of that happening in the American church that, that um, we are so caught up with our buildings <laughs> as, as Americans and we're so caught up with our institutions as the church that that we begin to become inwardly focused and it just, it just crushes us under our own weight. And I, I see that happening and I wonder, where are the disciples going? As these churches collapse, we're not killing the gospel. It's just taking a new form. What is God doing here? What is God doing to scatter us? Just like in Babel or just like at Pentecost, is God forcing us out of our buildings to carry the gospel I don't want to be a church that has to be forced into scattering. I don't, I don't want to get to that point. I want to be on the proactive end of that. And I, I, that's what I love about this church. That's what I love about us, is that we are intentionally trying to find ways to scatter well and to gather well, to do both. I look at our, um, our huddles and our, our missional communities and our, our mission partners, and I talk to you guys about the ways you're 
listening to God in your everyday lives and seeking to follow him, not just here as you gather, but you have an identity as you leave this place, as people who listen to God's voice, who are sent out on mission. Um, My wife is a social worker. And she's a social worker up in Muskegon County. And so she goes on home visits. And uh, she was telling me that one of her recent home visits, she was on her way home thinking about um, how hard that case was and how normally she feels alone in those circumstances. She's scattered even from her own coworkers in those circumstances when she's visiting homes. And she was coming back and she was reflecting on the experience, realizing, I feel a sense of God's presence, that I'm not alone. Why is that? And it's because... I belong to a church where I can talk about what's going on in my work and how God is speaking and using me. And she's part of a huddle where she's able to reflect with other women about what God is doing in their lives throughout their week. And it creates this this gathering and scattering rhythm for her that becomes part of her identity, that she doesn't lose her identity as a Christian when she goes back to work. And how often is that the case for us, that we live the, leave this place and we, we kind of feel like different people? And it's hard to be as enthusiastic about Jesus when we're alone. It's hard to live like Jesus or talk about Jesus when when we're out there alone. But if we're scattering and gathering, we reaffirm our identity as scattered people when we gather. We say, um, you're not really alone. Uh, Christ goes with you. And as you go, know that we are all scattering together. Scattering can be threatening. It can feel threatening. But it doesn't have to be. Uh, maybe you've, uh, like I was talking about earlier before, maybe you've left another church and you're wondering how you're going to find a new, that sense of belonging and purpose in your life um, because scattering is a threat. You feel scattered right now. I was speaking with a couple this week who has been in this discernment phase and trying to find out where they belong, that, that, that they, they're looking for places to contribute, not just consume something, but they're, they're looking for ways that they can use their gifts. That scattering doesn't have to be a threat. That we can be gathered back into community with others. Uh, maybe you're listening to this recording later <laughs> uh, and you're in Florida right now. There's a lot of us who are snowbirds during the winter or um, we're away for the weekend. And that could be posing a threat because on our side we go, well, where is everybody during the winter? And on other people's side, when they're out in Florida or Arizona, they might be feeling alone. Like, where's my community out here? I'm encouraged when I, when I hear from Bob Ebels, who's down, maybe Bob's listening to this right now. Uh, Bob Ebels, who's down in Florida, and, and the Ebels have found uh, a church community down there. And as a church, we could feel threatened by that. Like, oh, are they better than us or whatever? But we celebrate that. I love that the Ebels are, are enjoying Christian community even as they're scattered. And it's not a threat. It's actually a beautiful thing that they're shaped and formed by the Holy Spirit down there in different ways. And they return changed people ready to engage. And he's always asking me, how, how can I step back in? And where can I get involved? And, um, and I'm encouraged by that. That scattering does not have to feel like a threat. Maybe you're, you've lost a student to college. Maybe your, student, your, um, sorry, your child has gone off to college to become a student there. And it feels like a threat. Or maybe at your workplace, you're losing a coworker that you've invested into a lot. And, and you're sad that they're going to be uh, scattering off to a different place. And it feels like a loss. We experienced that uh, over the last couple of years with uh, Steve, who was a pastor here. And uh, Steve uh, left this place. And now he's doing awesome things in God's kingdom. It's taken a while for him to discern where is God taking me and, and leading me. But as a church, we, we encourage that. 
But Pete left last year. Uh, Pete Shewitt left last year and, and uh, didn't know exactly where God was calling him. And we saw a Facebook post a, a couple weeks ago that uh, he's preaching the gospel in Africa and people are coming to Christ. Like that is something we celebrate. We celebrate the fact that people are scattered even as much as it, it hurts us and even as uncomfortable as it feels to have people leaving. It's something we also celebrate that we want to commission people out of this place because that's what God does. He sends people. You see these rhythms of gathering and scattering in our church. And it's essential to our identity as disciples that we are the ones who are gathered and we are also ones who are scattered. And just like the universe would collapse under gravity without dark energy, without this scattering force, our church would uh, collapse under our own gravitational gathering force if we did not have a sense of ourselves being scattered into every place. In our worship, our worship together is intended to work like a heart. Um, because in worship, what happens is God, imagine the, the ventricles of a heart where they open, where God opens up and, and welcomes us in to this place together. It's like a, a heart that draws in blood and God draws us in from every place that we've been. And he gives us life, just like a heart gives the, the, uh, the or I guess it's the lungs. Lungs give oxygen to the blood. The blood uh, has oxygen in it and he pumps it back out, right? So God, God uh, draws us in, in worship and fills us with his life and then sends us out. And he draws us in and sends us out and draws us in and sends us out. That's the rhythm that God wants to see in our hearts. And he, he sends us out over Holland and Zealand and Grand Haven. So I want to show you um, something that I put together this week. This is, this is a map of Victory Point. You ask, where is Victory Point? Well, Victory Point is here. <laughs> this is all of our addresses plotted on a, on a map. I just think this is a cool representation of where we are as a church. You might be able to see your, your little pinpoint somewhere. Um, when we leave this place, this is the, these are the places we go. So imagine if we had a greater sense of our scattered identity as we left this place, that maybe on Sunday mornings from 10.10 oh, 10, 10 to 11.30, Victory Point may be a little pinprick right there in the map, but... From every, for every other part of the week, this is where Victory Point is. This is where our church is. Imagine if we owned our identity as disciples scattered into the world, scattered into this place on mission with Jesus. That's the vision I want to leave you guys with. We are the church gathered right now, but we are also the church still when we scatter because we are the church. Church is not a place that we go to. It's not a building that we, uh, that we come to, the church is the people gathered, that we are the church. So I want to take a second just to reflect together. I'll invite the band up. And um, just in your own space, as you listen to God during this time, I want to ask you two essential questions we, always, we almost always ask, which is, what is God saying to you right now? How is God stirring up your attention? How is God um, grabbing your attention? How is he speaking to you right now? And then the second question is, uh, what are you going to do about it? As you go, how does this change the way you think about your identity? How does this change the way you interact throughout the week? So just um, in this time of silence, I want to encourage you to ask those two questions. What is God saying to you right now? And what are you going to do in response?
God, I thank you that your kingdom is everlasting. That you are the king of a growing kingdom. That you've called us, you've fashioned us to be heirs of that kingdom, to participate with you as you bring the kingdom to earth. May we not fear your impulse to scatter us, whether it's to our workplaces or to our schools, whether it's to our neighborhoods, wherever that is, across Holland and Zealand, Grand Rapids, Grand Haven, Allendale. Pray that you would breathe life into us, that you'd form us into people who carry your gospel message with our actions and with our words. May we be people who give witness, who bear witness to your kingdom without fear. Thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand.